Welcome to worship at Salem Alliance Church. Let's join Steve Fowler, lead pastor, as he begins. Thanks, Jeff and team, for leading us. Hey, our uh, pastoral management team every year has a little retreat um, where we spend usually three days just getting away and having conversations that are difficult to have in a, an hour or two meeting that we we have every week. And uh, so we went to one of my old stomping grounds, Hood River, Oregon, and spent three days just uh, just working together and praying together, and included in that was a little bit of playing together as well, because you know, the team that plays together stays together. Uh, so this team that I have a privilege of leading went to Hood River, and we did some fishing. And I just want to show you some pictures of these incredible fish that our team caught. Uh, that's Mike Jarrett, leads Family Life. Mike caught a nice sturgeon there, caught several. Brian Candelo leads Student Ministries. There's a nice one of his nice fish that he caught. Uh, this Laura Scherer leads worship. And by the way, we're not just passing these fish around. These are actually individual fish. Just in case you're wondering, uh, they, they caught these fish. Uh, so there's Laura with her fish. There's Rob Childs. Now hold that picture right there because now Rob, that's my brother-in-law in the background. Uh, Rob caught, he had this gift of catching the, the, the fish from the nursery, the babies. Uh, and my brother on the background, he's holding his ear because... Rob uh, hooked that fish. Actually, he wrapped the line around my brother-in-law's head. And when he set the hook, he ripped off his very expensive sunglasses and threw them into the river. Uh, to which my brother-in-law said, from now on, you're catching nothing but small fish. And uh, so that's a little example of what he caught. Uh, next, next one, this is Barb Flesher. Uh, she's just bending her back there, catching a big old fish. Here's the big fish that uh, she caught. Uh, isn't that a great fish? Uh, and then uh, we got a picture of Rob. Uh, <laughs> Here's, uh, here's the fish that he caught. Uh, and then uh, Steve Dangaren. Look at this fish that Dangaren caught. Uh, he, Steve is five foot nine inches tall. Uh, that fish is probably five and a half, six feet uh, long. It's a great fish that he caught. And then here's Rob's fish. Uh, but we prayed for Rob. We uh, asked the God, God, give him a fish. And so he caught this one. Uh, not much longer. Nice fish there. But the biggest fish of the day wasn't Dan Garen's. Brian Cadello caught this fish. This is two guys lifting. It's probably two to three hundred pounds getting out of the water. Uh, here's a video of it coming to the boat. Eight feet long. This giant uh, sturgeon that we uh, that we caught uh, out there on the river. And uh, we had a great time fishing and being together. And uh, I love fishing. So every once in a while, I gotta whip out the fish pictures. Uh, and I, I love the fact that, that, that Jesus uses fishing as a metaphor in the Bible. So that's my biblical precedent for sharing those pictures with you. Uh, I love the fact that Jesus talks fishing. And, uh, and uh, we're entering into a new series called Sacred Conversations. A new series called Sacred Conversations. We're wrapped up ancient wells. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, this story in which Jesus encounters some fishermen. And he invites them to follow him because he is going to make them fishers of men. Fishers of men. And there was nobody, nobody better than entering into a conversation with people. There was no one like Jesus who, who could have discussions with all kinds of people and, and, and turn it into a sacred conversation. He talked to Greeks and to Jews. He talked to men and to women. He talked to mothers and fathers. He talked to, to Pharisees, to farmers, to prostitutes, uh, to lepers. He talked to people who were blind. He talked to people who thought they could see, but actually they were blind. Uh, he, it didn't matter what your background was. It didn't matter if you're possessed by an evil spirit or you're possessed by the love of money. 
Jesus would have sacred conversations with people. He would love to interact with people. In fact, he would engage with them in such a way so that he, that he could reveal who he was and he could also reveal who the Father is. And he would love to have these conversations. And guess what? He loves it when we have these conversations. Uh, he, he, he invited his disciples to follow him, invited them to become fishers of men, and he invites us to follow him and invites us also to fish for people. Uh, fishing is, is, is Christ's idea. And notice in this, in this text, we're going to read in a second, Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you really smart people. He didn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you holy. He said, follow me and I am going to teach you how to fish for people. I'm going to make you fishers of men. So grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. It's page 958 on your pew Bible. And I want to begin reading in verse 18 and read through verse 22 this, this interaction Jesus has with these, with these four disciples as he's calling them to follow him. Would you stand as we read God's holy word this morning? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two, two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is God's holy word. And you may be seated. Let me give you a little context for where this story finds itself because Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry. Remember, he's baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the Jordan River and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And he's tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And he comes out of the wilderness and begins his, his ministry uh, leading up to his, his crucifixion and his uh, resurrection ascension. Jesus comes out of the wilderness and he goes to his hometown, which at that time was Nazareth. He's in the synagogue one day. The scroll of Isaiah is being read. He's reading, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And you remember how that, that, that text goes about setting captives free, uh, touching people who are diseased. He's reading this, this scroll, and then he, he shares with the people who are in church that day, those in the synagogue that day, that these words are fulfilled in their hearing, saying that I'm the one that Isaiah is writing about. Now, the people in church that day didn't like the sermon. They got kind of mad at Jesus. In fact, they're backing him up to a cliff uh, by Nazareth. And, and Jesus, he walks, he navigates his way through the crowd. And this is where he says to the people in, 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 uh, in, that, in that region that a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. Jesus, this all happens right before this calling of the disciples. Jesus, he, he, moves, he moves his home base from Nazareth to a, a sleepy little fishing village called Capernaum. It's not too far from Nazareth, kind of down the hill and on the Sea of Galilee. Here's a picture of modern day, uh, a modern day picture of the Sea of Galilee. And if you look kind of up in the top left-hand section, the corner of the sea, the lake there, that's where uh, the ruins of Capernaum are today. Uh, in fact, if you can imagine that, that northern end of the Sea of Galilee, that is where about 70% of Christ's ministry took place. Uh, right here along the Sea of Galilee. He would preach the Sermon of the Mount around here. He would go from village to village around here. Uh, the Mount where, where most people think that the Mount of Transfiguration took place was just north of here. Uh, and, and 
most of his ministry taking place by the Sea of Galilee. Now, Jesus has just moved his home base from Nazareth to Capernaum, and he's, he's by the Sea of Galilee, and he's walking by this lake one day, and he sees these fishermen, and he extends the invitation. He engages in a sacred conversation with them and says to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. He's talking about evangelism. He's talking about sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to show them. He's going to teach them. He's going to model it for them. He's going to send them out. Think about it for a moment. These four guys are by the Sea of Galilee just doing what they always do. They don't fish because they're on a three-day retreat with some friends. They do this to survive. This is their livelihood. This is the family business. This is what dad does. This is what mom does. Life centers around this business of fishing. In fact, grandparents probably did this and and ancestors did this. And here they are by the Sea of Galilee. Jesus extends an invitation to them and their life is transformed. Just turned upside down. They probably thought they were going to live and die by the Sea of Galilee. But they would follow the ultimate fisher of men, Jesus. And Peter would travel the known world and end up dying in in Rome, Italy. Andrew would preach the gospel through, uh, through all of Israel, and then he would go to Greece. Historians tell us he would preach the gospel in Greece. He would go up to the Ukraine. He'd preach in the Ukraine. He'd come down to modern-day Turkey, and in, in modern-day Turkey is where he, uh, he was executed. Uh, Andrew lost his life there. James was martyred in Jerusalem. John, he preaches the gospel, the good news. He fishes for men his entire life. He, he is a, finally, he's exiled to an island called Patmos, which is just off the coast of, of modern-day Turkey. These four guys hear an invitation one day, and little do they know that when they take those first steps of following, that their lives are going to be just radically transformed as they follow this master fisherman. Now, when it comes to the topic of evangelism, uh, sometimes it can be a scary thing for us. We talk about fishing for men. Uh, Maybe some of you dream about having those kind of conversations. Maybe for some of you, that dream is more like a nightmare because it's scary for you to engage in those conversations. Maybe some of you are very apprehensive because you don't want anything to do with with pursuing somebody or chasing somebody and, and, and getting them to pray a prayer so you can put a notch in your belt. Like entering into some kind of pseudo relationship so you can get them to believe the right things. That's not the kind of, of evangelism, that's not the kind of fishing for men that Jesus does or, uh, or even invites us to do. It's, it's about loving people, about being compelled by love. It's about pursuing people because God is pursuing them. It's about a people who, who, who Christ wants to see reconciled to the Father. Jesus never entered into a pseudo-relationship. He entered into relationships and friendships and conversations Because he wanted to see lives transformed. In fact, he was okay with people entering into a conversation and leaving him. He never forced himself on anyone. And evangelism is all about being Jesus to our community and to people and sharing the good news and having the boldness and courage to do so. And he, he comes to fishermen. I love that he comes to fishermen and says to them in, their, in, some, in a way that they would understand, you've been fishing for fish, but now you're going to fish for men. He uses, you got to understand, these, these guys are throwing nets. They're catching fish, and now they're going to throw nets and catch people. I have a friend 
who uh, was just sharing his own personal desire that he doesn't want to pressure his children into, into uh, believing in Christ. He wants them to, to choose for, for themselves. And so uh, he, he's sort of taken a standoffish approach to talking to his kids about Jesus. And, and I totally understand his heart. I, I know that he wants his kids to choose Jesus uh, for themselves. I get that. But I felt like I needed to tell him on that, that day that you do need to realize that just because you're being silent doesn't mean the world around them isn't casting nets and having conversations with your children as well. By just pulling back and not having the conversation, uh, don't kid yourself that there aren't other nets being cast. In fact, this image of a net is used often in Scripture. Uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon writing Ecclesiastes says, As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Uh, it's this, this net, this image of evil times, difficult circumstances sort of falling on them and capturing them like a net. Micah chapter 7, uh, verse 2, Micah writes, The godly have been swept from the land, not one upright man remains. All men lie in wait to shed blood. Each hunts his brother with a net. You've got difficult times that fall on people like a net. You've got treachery. You've got the godly who are backsliding. And then there's this treachery and they're tripping up each other. They're casting nets over each other and trapping them. Habakkuk is talking about an invading army. And he says the wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them, he catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet, for by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Picture a gladiator, an old-time picture of a gladiator with a net. It's a, it's a weapon of ancient warfare. And Habakkuk is saying is that these people in battle are casting nets, catching people, and killing them. And then what they would do is they would worship their net because uh, it was a weapon of warfare that was successful. That's how, they, that's how they lived in luxury, by destroying other people. What Jesus is doing here, what I believe, is he's, using, he's going to these fishermen and, and, and God is raising up warriors who are going to cast their net, not to destroy people, not to harm people, but to capture them and give to them abundant life. So Jesus goes to fishermen and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Not to capture you and, and, and confine your life, but to capture you and release the grace of my Father to you and to give you life that you've never, ever experienced or can experience outside of Jesus Christ. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he's invited us to engage in these sacred conversations with people. He's put people in our lives. And really, as you look at this, this story here, you can, you can make the deduction that followers fish. That's what we do. Followers fish. As I said earlier, Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you smart. Follow me and I'm going to teach you how to memorize the Bible. Follow me and I'll make you holy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with being smart. It's great to memorize scripture. In Christ, we are holy, set apart, sanctified. But Jesus says here, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Followers, fish. So, how do we fish? Well, Jesus says it very clearly here. It it begins by following. 
Picture when he, when he says to these disciples by the Sea of Galilee, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They have to make a decision, don't they? Am I going to follow? And they leave their nets. They leave their boats. They leave their father behind. I, I would love to have a video of that scene, of what that was like. Was that was a difficult thing? Was that an easy thing? Leaving their father behind, the small business behind, their livelihood behind, to be a follower. To become a fisher of men, it all begins by following. It means entering into a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, be, it means being with Him, communing with Him, fellowshipping with Him. Learning about Him, yes. Taking in information, yes. But more importantly, being Him. Being Christ. Being good news. And by being with Him... We watch him, we observe him, and we become like him. We become good news so that we can share the good news. I have a friend named Tim. Uh, he moved to Hood River, Oregon uh, years ago I, I, when I was an elder at the church there. And uh, he came as a youth pastor, and he's from Houston, Texas. Uh, he'd fished a little bit, um, caught some bass and some trout, but never caught steelhead and salmon. And I worked for a fishing tackle company, and so I thought, well, I'll just take this guy under my wing, and I'll, we'll, we'll teach him how to fish. We'll get him out in the river. We'll get him to catch a salmon. And uh, Tim was like, it's kind of like an accident waiting to happen when it came to fishing. Uh, he, uh, I remember the, the, actually the very first time we took him fishing for, for salmon, it was, uh, it was a cold morning, and he had the rod in his hand, and somehow, he had a wool cap on, somehow he managed to get the treble hook caught in his wool cap up top, and so then he went to jerk it out, and he took the, the second treble hook that was on the lure and drove it into his nose. Um, and uh, yeah, it just makes your nose hurt, doesn't it? On a cold morning. And he's standing there like this, because he can't move the rod. He's standing like this. Help! And we're, you know, we're trying to unhook him. Uh, it was just scary. We, we get him on a boat finally one day, and we tell him that when, when, the, when the salmon bites, put your thumb on the reel and set the hook. I mean, set the hook hard and then fight the fish. Uh, we're in the front of the boat, and he's in the back of the boat. He sets the hook. He puts his thumb on the reel, but he never takes his thumb off. It never dawns on him that you have to actually then let the, you know, the fish run and you fight the fish. He just keeps holding it, and you see the rod just going like this, and, like this, and he hears a big snap, and the rod breaks in two, and he's got a stump of a rod in his hand, and the rest of it is going down into the river, and he loses a fish. We're like, this guy is like, he's like not good to take on a boat. Uh, another time, I took him fishing. We were, in, we were Literally, we were in a salmon derby. There were no fish being caught. 15 minutes before the deadline, we hook a, a, a Chinook, a, a fall Chinook, a big salmon, and we get it in the boat. We're so excited because no one's catching fish. We're, we're going to win with this fish. I give it to Tim, and he walks to the front of the boat, and there's a trout stringer. And for some reason, he thinks that he can put a 30-pound salmon on a trout stringer. He puts it on the trout stringer and then throws it into the river. Well, of course, it breaks the trout stringer, right? And you, you see this fish kind of going down the bottom of the river. This collective groan of all the boats on the river, like, no. <laughs> and we're going, Tim. <laughs> but eventually he catches his first fish and he, he catches more fish. In fact, he, he starts getting pretty good at it. Starts going out on his own, and uh, he becomes a great steelhead fisherman, a great salmon fisherman. And in fact, he fishes way more and, and, and better than I do. The guy has turned into a, a great fisherman. There is hope. If you're a Texan, there is hope for you. You can catch fish. 
Tim is living proof. And literally, he just did it by being with other fishermen. He just learned. He, he spent time with us out on the river. And I, I think that's exactly what these guys do with Jesus. They, they, all they do, they don't know what he... I don't, I don't think they fully know all that, that Jesus is saying to them. What's he mean, fisher of men? I mean, what's Jesus talking about? They're following. They're going to find out. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, right after he invites them to follow, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Imagine, you hear Jesus say, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. You're wondering what that means. And then you start following him and you, you see Jesus preaching. You watch him heal. You see the crowds gather. And as time passes by, you're in a home with him. You, you watch him heal a girl who's sick. You watch him interrupt a funeral and a, and a boy comes back to life. You see him touch the shoulder of a leper. You don't touch lepers. They're unclean. And that, that disease could be contagious. But these guys, they watch Jesus over and over again engage in sacred conversations, intersecting his life with the lives of other people, and these guys start to get it. So much so that when Jesus has ascended, Peter and John are walking into a temple one day, Acts chapter 3, and there's a beggar saying, you know, give me alms for the poor, and Peter says, look at me. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Did Peter just kind of do that on his own? No. He watched Jesus for years do this. And so Peter, seeing an opportunity, speaks of Christ. And you see this all through the book of Acts. Followers who fish. Simply because they've been with Jesus. In fact, that's why they got the name Christian. Because people observed them and said, you know, these people who follow Jesus are, are just like him. In fact, we'll call them little Christ. Christian, that's what it means. A little Christ. They're just like Jesus. Followers, fish. And it all begins by following. Paul would say to an early church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me, watch how I live my life. Follow after Christ. That's, that's what it takes to begin casting that net and fishing for people. As we abide in Him and become like Him or transformed by His Spirit, undoubtedly there are opportunities for us to engage in sacred conversations where we get to, to throw the net out and see, see people caught by the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me, I want to show you just a, a, a quick little video. This is a video of Paige Bullock, who's, who's a fifth grader, 10 years old. 10 years old is just sharing how she engages in her own sacred conversations with her friends. Um, I go to Salem Heights Elementary School. I will be going to Howard Street Charter School next year. I am 10 years old right now. I have a friend named Paula. We 
we walk around the track and we talk. We're really good friends. And she's in the same grade as I am, fifth grade. And so finally, I got the nerve to talk to Paula about God during recess. It was a little bit tense at first. I can't quite remember it. It was a few months ago, so I can imagine I we started talking, and I probably eased in something about God in there, and then we started talking a little bit more about it. I probably said, so do you know much about him? And Paula says, I've got a few Bibles, stuff like that. So when I was in first grade, I learned about ABC, admit that you've done wrongs, believe that he died on the cross for you, and choose him to be your savior. So that's what I taught to Paula, and she had done it the night before, but wasn't quite sure how to do it. So we tried again that day at recess, and we just stood in the trees and prayed. She hasn't told anyone in her family, probably afraid of what their reactions would be. Her mother wants nothing to do with religion, so it would be hard to talk to her about it. And her father is a Christian, so she could talk to her father about it, but I'm not sure if her father would tell her mother or... I think since she can't talk to her family and I'm one of the only people she can talk to about it, I think it really strengthens our friendship and she seems to... And she... I know she really values our friendship and so do I. We talk about these things that strengthens our friendship. God has really brought us together for a reason. It was a little bit tense at first. I was a little bit scared, but it came, it started coming naturally because I was her best friend and we had talked about some of these things before. You just need to let it come bit by bit. I, I guess it was just easy for me because God helped me through it. But it changes the way I look at things sometimes, how I could change this, how I could tell someone about this. How could I ask questions to get God into the conversation? I think about those things more often now. I think it's just not right to leave the whole world not knowing about it. And I just think that if my friends don't know, I need to at least give them the chance to believe and go to heaven. Paige will be teaching evangelism courses in the Broadway Commons. <laughs> Isn't that just great? Look, it doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 100. God's put people in your life. And my guess is that there are probably two people that God has put in your life that you could have a conversation with. You could have a sacred conversation with them. It doesn't mean that every conversation has to end by, by kneeling and praying. And if it does, hallelujah. But sometimes it's years of just being a friend because you love somebody. And perhaps God opens a door and that conversation goes from just every day to sacred. Who are the two people that God's put in your life that you could begin praying for, that, that you could engage in a sacred conversation with, like Paige's model in that video? It's an important conversation to have because if you think about it, we were all fish once, right? 
someone had a conversation with you. Maybe it was your mom or your dad. Maybe a grandfather or grandmother. Maybe a friend at school. Maybe a coworker, Or maybe you got invited and you heard somebody speak. Or you went to a movie or you read a book or whatever. You, 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 we were all fish once. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that someone had a conversation with me. And I know that as we follow the Holy Spirit and we walk through doors that He opens, as we love our city, that those conversations will turn sacred and, and the kingdom of God will come alive in the hearts of people all around us. Jesus extends the invitation to us. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You've been listening to Steve Fowler, lead pastor at Salem Alliance Church. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to be our guest at our worship service on our main campus at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem. Worship services are Saturday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and again on Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. If you'd like to receive a free Bible and more information on how to become a Christ follower, feel free to call our office at 503-581-2129. We'd love to know how we can serve you. And once again, that's Salem Alliance Church at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem.